Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show gentlemen welcome in to episode 320 of the black and gold hockey podcast it's great to have you on board thanks for making us part of your day i am your host steve forney thanks for uh, having us uh, around to be a part of your day mark Allred joins us as always mark how are you sir very good steve been an amazing week got a lot of things to talk about um but yeah i'm doing good happy to talk to bruins and this wagon just keeps rolling rolling into this historic season and god i love this team i love this team steve there's something to love and we've obviously had a super busy week between games on the ice and things happening off the ice uh and we are going to get into all of it 
Uh, again, our episode is powered by betonline.ag. You can use the promo code CLNS50 uh, for uh, all of your betting and gambling needs. Go ahead and just throw all your money down on the Bruins winning the Stanley Cup. I don't know what you're going to win at this point. They're so highly favored. Uh, but if you do, make sure you use that promo code for us. Don't forget as well, we have a listener hotline number as well, 978-504-2727. If you have a question, you have a hot take, uh, you can reach out to us that way. Or, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, Mark is at blackandgold277. I am at PA Voice 413 um, got anything that you want to be mentioned during the show, uh, just feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to add it into the agenda. Um, but, uh, you know, between, uh, the West coast swing, the Rangers game, we are on a 10 game winning streak. Uh, so much to get to Mark, particularly with the, uh, signing again, not to toot my own horn, but eight years, 88 million. That's pretty damn close with that one. If I could say so myself. So, uh, we'll talk about that for Patrice Bergeron as well. I'm sorry for David Pasternak as well. Um, and we do have a lot of, uh, I don't know, I guess new, New things we're adding to the show, particularly for our YouTube viewers. Um, not that we're going to bang our head against the wall getting into different stats, but sometimes it's it's nice to check box scores and just kind of uh, look at maybe some trends, maybe some things that look good, some things that that are concerning. But um, so far, it has been uh, it's been a fun little ride here, not only since October, but this week. It's just like every week just seems to get more and more fun, Mark. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it also seems like it's coming together. You know, once the, once the uh, trade deadline happened, this team and this Bruins team, uh, Bruins management team, I'm sorry, uh, were definitely all in on doing something special this year. They've been saying it all year. Now they put the cards down on the table. And um, now it's the team. It's the it's their roster that has to get it done this year, you know, and with these moves and everything that's going on and the way this team's been playing, and, you know, the best team in the NHL. You know, we're a hundred point season. We'll talk about that later as well. But you know, it's it, it's just absolutely crazy, and I'm I, I'm at a loss for words again because I just yeah. talked myself out of it. <laughs> uh, it's it's bananas. So before we get into uh, our agenda and what we got going on for the show, we do have a, a pretty substantial birthday uh, yesterday that we want to talk a little bit about. Mark, uh, why don't you tell us uh, who we're giving happy birthday shoutouts to? I wanted to give a, a shout out to uh, Mr. Milt Schmidt, and he is a legend in the Boston Bruins organization, obviously passed on now. Uh, but uh, Milt was a four-time Stanley Cup champ. Uh, two was a player, two was a GM. Uh, 1951 Hart Trophy winner. 1939-40 NHL assist and point leader. 1996 Lester Patrick uh, Trophy winner. And a four-time NHL All-Star. And just one of the the nicest people that this Boston Bruins organization has had um, within its its history, the, the almost 100 years. Uh, Milt was born in uh, 1918 uh, yesterday, and um, I just wanted to uh, give a shout-out to him. And obviously he's passed on, and, and you know, but these legends, these people you cannot forget about because these are the ones that, that started the, the organization back in the, you know, in the 20s. And just, you know, develop, help developed what we're seeing today is is a Boston Bruins team that's hard-nosed to play against. Always, like, mostly defensive first. But, um, no, happy birthday, Milton. Rest in peace, good sir. And I just want to give a shout-out to uh, uh, our friend Ange, 
up in Montreal. He's a he's a Bruins fan up there, an amazing Bruins fan up there. But he did the artwork for this, so I wanted to shout him out cool. and give him credit for that. So uh, thank you, Ange. I know I'm doing this without permission right now because you didn't get back to my tweet, but uh, <laughs> I used it anyway. So if there's any copyright infringements, please send it to my lawyer. <laughs> Well, that is, uh, that's really cool. And, and, you know, it's, it's amazing. We, we, it's easy to forget sometimes what makes this city so great. What makes this team, this organization so great is the history and, you know, whether it's, whether it's Ted Williams or it's Bill Russell or it's Milt Schmidt, you know, understanding the history that we have here, we're not the Arizona Coyotes. We're not the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're not, you know, the Seattle Kraken, we, we have the numbers in the Raptors for a reason. We have roots in the ground. Uh, We have history that needs to not be forgotten. And so um, when you told me you wanted to mention that, I thought that was so great because it is, it's important, especially for these young and these young people. I mean, I got, I got high schoolers who don't understand nine 11, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you go way, way back to the history of this organization, how important it is to know where we came from and how we got here. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace and happy uh, happy birthday to Milt Schmidt, the legend. Um, so the Bruins on the ice uh, wrapped up a West Coast road trip, um, a big three two win against Edmonton. Uh, that game I thought was a blast to watch. It's just seeing McDavid in person is unbelievable. Um, but for me, it was a reminder that you need more than one guy. Um, and you know, all this, this, you know, tank for Connor Bedard, that's great. But if the rest of your team sucks, um, <laughs> what are you going to do? And, and it's not even like Edmonton's that bad. I really don't know how they can't go out and get out of their own way. Maybe it's that Weasley looking coach that they have. That guy just has such a punchable face. I don't know what it is. Woodcroft. <laughs> um, but, uh, what were some of your takeaways from that, from that Edmonton game and, and, and how the Bruins just kind of kept the pedal down. They just kept, kept plugging forward and, attacking um yeah i thought it was a, a a good game i i didn't expect this to be i thought that one of these two games was going to be a, a loss here because it's just a back-to-back situation but the uh the bees went into edmonton and, and got it done um and they had a really good effort from uh new new um new players that uh joined the team recently dimitri orloff had two assists you know, um, David Pasternak just keep, continues his point uh, point streak, I believe. Yeah, Derek Forbort with a helper, Garnet Hathaway with a helper, and Zaka Felino with goals, uh, and Coyle with a helper as well. I mean, it was just a real good good game. Um, and I, I, you know, I like playing teams like Edmonton and so on because they they do come at you fast with the element of uh, of Connor McDavid and so on. But like you said, it's, it's a it, a whole team has to come together to get that victory. And I don't think that, I think they rely on too many of their superstars like Dreisaitl, McDavid, and so on, and not enough of the support that they have and lines below like the Boston Bruins have. If we have four lines of depth, you know, we're going for a cup and that, you know, that's that. This team is still, I believe, in transition and so on, trying to get there and, and you know, be a, um, uh, a postseason uh, team, you know, consistently. So, I, I enjoyed this game. It, it was a late one. I, I hate the late ones, but I, I managed to stay up, believe it or not, for the two games. I mean, the next days were absolute junk, but still, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what amazed me looking, you know, and you got the stat sheet right there pulled up. It's like when you're when you're playing Connor McDavid, you know, you need your stars to 
the, right on paper, it's like, well, we need our stars. We need our stars to carry us through this win. You know, we're going to lean on Bergeron and Marshan and Pasternak and these guys. You know, Zaka had the goal. Felino had a goal. Noshik had a goal. That was it. 3-2 win. So when you're, it, it's not like this team has to sit there and say, well, Bergy, we need you tonight. You know, Marshand, if you don't score, we're, we're toast, you know. Getting that, like you said, that production from the bottom half of the, the roster, um, when you need it, it just it, it, it relieves so much of the pressure on, on the top two lines. And I think for years, this team has been a two-line team, whereas now, and again, it doesn't happen every night, but when you can get that production from the lower half of your roster in games like this, uh, that's... I just think that's a huge win. That's a huge asset to have here coming down the stretch. So um, um, nice win. It it, it 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 still makes me nervous, man. That, that when McDavid gets that puck, he just he's right on you. But you know, and I thought that I thought that particularly um, uh, McAvoy and and Lindholm both played him really well. You know where his strengths are. You know that he, on a dime he can change directions and blow by you. And of course, he scored again. You know, he had his fiftieth goal, but you know, being able to contain him and, you know, if you can hold Edmonton to under, you know, two goals or less, you'll win. So the fact that they were able to do that, I think was a huge plus, you know, road game, tough environment, going up to Canada, time differences, all that stuff, go up there and sneak out a win. And that one was great. Yeah. I, I, I like the, your point about how the defensive pair for the Boston Bruins matched up against a player like Connor McDavid. I think um, the Lindholm pairing and uh, McAvoy, they forced Connor uh, to the outside. They didn't give him much space in the middle to, to try to get to the net and create havoc. So there's some good things about that. And I like the way that this defense is working together. And it's at a crucial point right now where you know it's going to get heavier, heavier minutes as the postseason comes. So this is just a good, good way to prepare yourself for, for that. And the competition is definitely going to get better. So you're going to see more Connor McDavid's and so on out there. Like particularly if you happen to match up against the uh, New York Rangers, you're going to see a, a lot of offense coming at you. So you need your defensive pairs, your top defensive pairs, to work those hard minutes and and force those guys out and, and their opportunities away. Um, so it's, it's uh, sort of funny. You get a team like Edmonton that's all skill. Um, then you have to turn around the next night and you got to go play Calgary, who, at least in my estimation, is kind of the total opposite. They are physical. Man, are they hard to play against. Um, you know, we saw that early in the game as uh, Zadorov took out uh, took out Nick Felino, And, you know, Clifton, like I've said it before, I just I wish he would go to the Sean Thornton boxing school and just and just learn how to fight a little bit better. But you know, the stones on him to step right up against Zadorov, who was mean and stand up for your teammate. You know, those are the things that I think go such a long way in the locker room. Um, and, you know, now they've added other guys that'll do it like Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi will do it. Hathaway will do it. Uh, but it's nice of Trent Frederick to step in there and say, you know, I, I can still do this too. And, and I'm, I'm going to stand up for my teammates, no matter who it is. So four, one win in Calgary, Oh, another late one on a Tuesday, Mark. But um, what were some of your takeaways from that game? Um, yeah, you know, it was a grinding, grinding win trying to figure this out. Here's the Calgary one. Um, yeah, so Patrice Bergeron with two helpers. Uh, Pavel Zaka, another goal. He's been playing really well. Uh, Hippus Lindholm with a helper. Uh, Brad Marchand with a helper. McAvoy, the overtime winner. 
uh, that was awesome coming down the uh, the left side and just, you know, making that happen. Uh, Jake DeBrusk with two helpers. He continues to play well. And uh, and and Dmitry Olaf. You cannot say enough about this guy's um, addition to the blue line and, and how much of an impact this guy has made. So, uh, and Thomas Nosek comes back and, he, and he's he automatically contributing. He gets a, 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 um, a point or a helper. So a lot of good things going on um, in this game as well. Um, but like I like we talked about um, just a little while ago, these are like really good learning experiences against teams like this because it, it is it is like, or more or less like a playoff style that the Bruins are playing and that are trying to adjust to a postseason um, um, you know schedule coming up. And we've only got twenty games to go, so. Um, these games are important and they're also learning curves as well for, for future success. So, uh, solid two points. And, and what can you say about, you know, back-to-back wins on the, on the, you know, the Western Canada freaking trip. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing. So the wagon continues to roll on my man. And we haven't really mentioned it either, but uh, the goalies playing obviously well. Uh, Swayman gets a win. Omar gets a win in those two games. The thing that sticks out the most to me looking at this uh, box score and something I've, I've had an issue with, um, when it comes to forwards, again, I hate the penalties, but Bergeron was not the leader in minutes. Uh, Bergeron played uh, 135 shorthanded. Um, uh, don't, let my eyes, don't let my eyes fool me. Uh, Charlie Coyle played 227. Tomasz Nosek played uh, 234. So now that they're able to get more of these guys in there and, you know, Hathaway will play it and Bertuzzi will play it too. Um, having those guys that can take some more penalty killing minutes away from Bergeron and Marchand to me are huge. Um, so that's what I like to see too. I'm glad that Coyle is really starting to embrace that role on the penalty kill. Oh, yeah. um, and obviously we'll get to it, but Nosek getting a, getting a shorty uh, against the Rangers. So, uh, I, I like the fact that not only is the penalty kill succeeding, but they're doing it without having to to strain Bergeron and Marchand. Yeah, and 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 that's a great point that you picked out. Is um you know load management coming down? We talked about this, and we're going to talk about it later on as well. But it just seems like um, these are small areas of the game that Jim Montgomery is like taking away from you know great players like Bergeron and Marchand and so on. But, you know, you might not want to, like, sit them for multiple games to, to rest up. But it's those it's those shortening of, of minutes during a power play or penalty kill and so on that are also beneficial to a little bit of rest and so on. But you also get a chance to see what others in the lineup can do, uh, especially on special teams. So, you know, it's just another way of getting everybody prepared uh, for, for a postseason grind. And and it's nice too having the benefit of where they are in the standings to where they're not, they don't have this massive amount of importance on each game to where you can go off script a little bit. Montgomery can when it comes to who's playing what, having what roles. Like, you know, you, you can throw, you can throw a penalty killing unit out there that's not a typical penalty killing unit to see what they have. And you can do the same on the power play. You can throw guys out there that maybe aren't usually on the power play in order to get other guys rest because if you give up a goal, it's like, well, whatever we got to, we got to, we're still up three to one and chances are we'll, we'll probably win this one anyway. So, uh, you know, having, having the points where they are, having the team playing the way they are, it allows you that freedom to expand the roster when it comes to special teams a little bit. Uh, yeah. And I thought that was a good example of it in that game. Absolutely. 
Um, Thursday's uh, Thursday's game was what I would call a shit kicking. Seven uh, one win against Buffalo, uh, and again, just so it was so Buffalo. Like, let's pull the goalie, let's pull the goalie, let's give up two. Like to me, the most the most embarrassing thing in hockey, the most demeaning thing you can do to another team is get an empty netter late in the game, and then they put the goalie back in, and then you score another one. Like, you pulled the goalie, we scored, you put the goalie back in, and then we scored again. Oh, and a kick in the teeth. Oh, yeah. man, I, I love to see that. So, um, uh, Buffalo has come a long way. This team is playing really good hockey. They have a great little young roster. Uh, they made some additions at the trade deadline, and the Bruins just said, hold my beer. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're still going to kick the living snot out of you. So um, any big takeaways from that game for you, Mark, on Thursday? Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, this was just I, – I actually thought uh, the Buffalo Sabres were going to be playing the, the Boston Bruins just a little bit better. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. got to take advantage of every opportunity. And you don't you don't let off the gas. It doesn't matter what opponent it is in the Atlantic Division or the or the league, in my opinion. We've had we've had several teams in the past of this Boston Bruins uh, organization that definitely played down to their down to their um, their opponents and 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 on this night they didn't do that and like you said Buffalo you got to give them credit they are a building team and so on they do have some very key assets that are younger assets and um and I will say that this would be a team to watch out for in the future but in this particular game Charlie Coyle man he's just really picking up his offensive production lately. Uh, he had two helpers. Pavel Zaka had a goal and an assist. He continues to go uh, full bore uh, since signing his uh, new contract extension. Garnet Hathaway continues to contribute. He had a helper. Brandon Carlo was big in this game with two hel- uh, two helpers. Lindholm with a helper. Bergeron with a goal. David Krejci with two uh, helpers. Grizzlick with a helper. Clifton with a goal. That was awesome. Dimitri yeah, was. Uh, Orloff with a goal. I mean, a three-point game for Orloff, a goal and two assists, plus three on the day. I mean, that he just continues to just do what, what's needed. And then I think that – I'll talk about it later. Uh, David you- Pasternak with a goal uh, and two assists. And, I mean, and obviously Jacob Lauko. Uh, he had two goals and continues to shove it in my face for healthy <laughs> for health bombing him a, a weekend ago. Well, I I'd, I would like to see him get more playing time, too. Um, and, yeah, you know, just absolutely. going off of, of what we were just talking about in terms of, of mixing different guys into special teams. Uh, again, Bergeron, not the highest forward when it came to shorthanded time. Um, but you see some, you know, you see a minute 25 shorthanded for Jake DeBrusque. Uh, not your typical penalty killer, right? So um, AJ Greer played some penalty kill. Trent Frederick, Pavel Zaka played a minute 15 in the penalty kill. Garnet Hathaway out there killing penalties. So uh, Tomas Nosek a minute 42 on the penalty kill. So uh, again, if we're going to keep getting penalties, which it looks like we are, uh, because, you know, again, it's been my, it's crawled up my ass since the season started are the penalties. Um if we're going to keep getting penalties, we got to spread the time out. And, and that was a perfect example. And again, when you get a nice big lead, you're, you have the freedom, as we just mentioned, to, to expand the rosters, come special teams. But um, it's nice to see that. And you mentioned Charlie Coyle. I, I wonder the more he gets minutes on things like shorthanded, the more that boosts his confidence. You know, when you're that yeah. third line center and you could be at number two center anywhere else in the league, but you're playing third line minutes. I don't know if it gets frustrating. I don't know if it, it cools you off a little bit. I don't know. But maybe just being out there, whether it's power play, penalty kill, 
you, you know, having more minutes to play, I think is a big benefit to him. And I think that's why you're seeing, I think that's why you're seeing a, a, an uptick in his production. Yeah. And also um, I want to look at Brad Marchand's power play time. He's only got a minute. He's got 17 seconds of shorthanded time. And he was only, he only played eight minutes in that night. Uh, went down with a little bit of a minor, um, I think it's a lower body injury because of the hit against the boards. Um, but fortunately he came back. So I just wanted to point out that that was not just uh, him being out there just for a minute for resting purposes. It was due to a, a minor hiccup in the, uh, in the injury, but glad he's back. And that was, that wasn't uh, anything, anything major. Uh, I will ask if you, if it wasn't the nationally televised ABC Saturday Rangers game, do you think they would have sat Marshan uh, in the, in the Ranger game for, because again, we, we had to talk a little bit about load management and get yeah. guys rest and et cetera. And I wonder if the only reason he played was because of the, you know, the star power and the, you know, the national spotlight and everything else. That could, that could be a valid point. I'm really not, I'm really not sure. I'm not sure how to answer that, my man, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that these, the, the higher echelon of these, uh, the veterans in this Boston Bruins organization are going to take their rest later on in the season. I think once they secure the playoffs, you know, I think that's when the uh, Montgomery and the coaching staff, are going to like sit back and just really start to um, figure out let's get these guys some rest. Let's get some younger players up from Providence that deserve it and so on. But yeah, I could see that being a, a game that, that could have possibly happened. But um, the way this team goes and the way that uh, Montgomery orchestrates them, maybe even sometimes asking them, Hey, is this an inappropriate time to rest you? Maybe, maybe he's going on the player and saying that he trusts the player instead of going, right to him saying you're resting this this without any discussion you know yeah which might have happened in the past that might have yeah. been a cassidy thing like hey you're sitting no discussion turn around walk back to his office that's it oh, and, and even one thing i wanted to, to bring up um when we're done reviewing the games is is um how he's handling the back end with everybody getting rest but i mean you know it, it, quite frankly if i was the coach you know it's like if, if Jake DeBrusque stubs his toe getting out of the shower, I'm like, dude, you're going to, why don't you sit this one out, pal? Cause we got, we got the points, we got the time, we got the cushion, you know, we don't need to risk it any further. So I, you know, I, I think that if, if it was, if it was bad enough, Brad, I think is smart enough to say, I'll sit this one out. But at the same time, if I'm Brad Marchand and knowing his competitiveness, he's saying, you know, Rangers, Patrick Kane, Saturday night or, you know, Saturday afternoon, ABC. Hell no, I'm playing. I don't care how much pain I'm in. So, yeah, you need me. You need me. Right. <laughs> so um, interesting. So that's all. I just I wanted to bring that up. But, yeah, as we look towards the Rangers game um, again, the Rangers, they, they win four to two. Rangers had all kinds of issues on the back end. They only played five defensemen. Um, and I pointed I love that first period. Chippy is hell. We got uh, some fights, and I'll tell you, Garnet Hathaway. I mean, you, you know it going in. You knew the player you're getting, but you know Truba lays that hit at, at the blue line, and sometimes the last thing guys do is take off the gloves. I mean, Hathaway in one motion, he's just so good at flicking the gloves; they're gone, and he grabs. It's just the first reaction is to flip the gloves, and he was he was ready to ball out there. Um, it didn't happen. Obviously, he didn't fight Truba there, but uh, they do get that power play. Um, 
and they get a four one or excuse me four two win over a a a pretty banged up Rangers team. And and God, God bless it. I was so shocked. One oh six, the puck drop. One o'clock game. I thought for sure this is one of those ESPNs. Hang around till one twenty five, and we'll drop the puck when we feel like it. One one oh six, that puck dropped. I I was I was dancing in my underwear. I was so happy. It was funny ever since you went off on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about the time and and the national coverage and so on. I literally look at the clock and and I and I refresh Twitter just for your hello. Like I can see you doing the gift right oh now. Like God. come on, let's go. That little kid just sitting there like this. Yeah. Yeah, well, Mr. Bean out that's the field. how I feel. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, you know, I I don't know, there's something about it. Like, I'm not a football guy, but you know, Sunday's 105. I expect the ball to be kicked off in the air. And exactly. I don't know why it's, you know, I don't know why they they do that with the NHL and the national games, but thank goodness, maybe it's just cuz they knew nobody wanted to hear Mark Messier and Chris Chelios. I will say PK Subban is doing an awesome job. I I find him I, I kind of knew really he would, that. but I I find his personality and his insight his sarcasm he's he's funny yeah. as hell uh i think he's he's really good in that spot yeah and he's great he's great for the uh the haters out there as well because they're actually showing some of the the tweets like uh fans are calling them idiots and so on and they're showing that and i was i was actually surprised that that didn't get filtered through but anyway regardless um yeah i mean the rangers game yesterday uh fantastic um element of of playoff hockey. I mean, to me, that was just hard, grindy hockey. And like you said, the first period was a tone setter. It really was. It was like they were trying to feel each other out, see where we were going with this, um, see some questionable hits and so on. The biggest thing for me about this game was the Rangers are are, are heavy. They're heavy offense and they're heavy on the defense, even though that they were minus one, one defenseman, like Steve alluded to earlier. But... What I like about the Boston Bruins team this season, and I'm seeing more often, especially with Hathaway involved, and now I'm and a player we're going to talk about later on, you're addressing needs for for the playoffs, and and that and that, you know, if anything happens to us, we're gonna we're not gonna hesitate to turn around and give it back to you. Either you drop the gloves, or you get into a heavy freaking face wash, freaking um um you know battle. In years previous, I've seen the Bruins players take hits and, and the players just kind of skate around and wait for something to happen and not like immediately do something. It just seems this year that Jim Montgomery and the and, and John Gruden and and Chris Kelly and Joe Sacco and all the complimentary pieces of this Boston Bruins management and coaching staff have gotten together and just said, listen. And, and yesterday's a great example. Yesterday's hit from Truba. That was a legal hit. It's clean. That was a legal hit. There was nothing wrong with it, but I liked the response. As soon as something happened, Hathaway was right over. No questions about it. Nothing. No looking at the bench, waiting for anybody to, you know, send them. But no, it's just a great response, and that's what we need moving forward. Doesn't matter if it's clean or dirty. You go after and make make yourself known that you you're not going to be putting up with the opposing players taking uh, liberties on your on your best players. Well, and that's and that's what pissed me off about because I watched the second intermission with Mark Messier, and he's just so clueless because you know he's saying, you know this this happens too much in this league. Whenever there's a clean hit, everybody gets all mad and everybody wants to fight. And and you know back in my day, whenever there's a clean hit, nobody would ever want to fight you. They would just keep skating and keep going around. And he is absolutely right, except 
when you were at home on national TV, Garnett Hathaway is brand new to this team. He knows that the Bruins fans ex- have certain expectations of him. And if he is not there to at least bring some sort of, like you said, face wash or get into the face or grab a guy like that's, it was almost like a, it was almost like a, like, like a, a I don't know, like an audition in front of the, in front of the brand new Bruins fans. Right. So that's what he does. So Mark Messier just doesn't understand the situation. Yes. I agree with him that too many, there's too many times where there's clean hits and guys like, again, they don't even usually fight. They just sort of face wash and stuff, but understanding that situation to where Hathaway knows he's got kind of a role to play and he's on the ice. I mean, if they laid that hit and Hathaway didn't go over and say something, I would be like, is this the same Garnett Hathaway that was in Washington? Like, right. I would have been right. surprised by it. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a situation where uh, I think he did the right thing. And, you know, the Rangers, and this has just been the Bruins all year, you think you're in it. You you play a halfway decent first period of hockey. You think you're in the game. You've got a power play coming into the second period. And then, bam, you get relentlessness from Thomas Nosek, gets the shorthanded goal, breaks their back, yep. shows over. I mean, they they kept they kept fighting, but it was that moment where you're like, well, good luck from here. And and this this team is so freaking relentless. And this is why I I think that of the teams they play against. Just I don't think they're going to be able to handle what the Bruins bring for a seven-game series where they just don't stop coming at you. They just come at you, and they come at you, and you clear the zone, and they get it back, and they bring it back in the zone, and then you can't clear the zone. They're just always freaking on top of you. And, you know, we got the example of it this week. You want to play a skilled team in Edmonton? We'll roll with you. You want to play a big, physical, tough team like Calgary? We'll roll with you that way. They just... Yep. They, they have answers, and they just don't stop coming. And that no-shit goal to me was such a, a prime example of, I mean, he almost, he he had, I think he had a breakaway, had it saved, won a puck battle in the corner, kept it in the zone, kept it in the zone, kept going at the net, and then bang, he gets rewarded with that sweet little goal. Yeah. It was just such a microcosm of the season and this team, and they're just freaking relentlessness. It's just, it's so fun to watch. It's so cool to be a part of and to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talk about... Uh, Thomas Nosek, he's been such a key asset to this team since coming back from a, a minor injury. Uh, and, and, and what a sweet pair of hands to, to, to outwork a, a world-class goaltender like, uh, Igor Sashirkin. But, um, yeah, Nosek had a goal, Pasternak had a goal. Dimitri Orlov continues, uh, with a helper. McAvoy, Marshan, Bertuzzi getting his first point. That was a really, really nice setup to uh, Charlie Coyle, by the way. Um, David Krejci had a helper. Patrice Bergeron with a goal. Uh, Charlie Coyle, another big night. Uh, goal, assist, two points. And Trent Frederick getting involved, too, as well with um, with a goal. But um, one, one thing about this box score that I really wanted to gravitate to, and I know we talked about it previously when we were talking about doing these, these uh, slides, was uh, the Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, getting two minutes and four seconds of power play time. No shorthanded time, but he was on the ice for 14-27 throughout the whole game. I think that um, Jim Montgomery did a really solid job by getting him involved in certain in different situations to see if there's any chemistry in certain areas. And if he can be that power play guy, that net front pain in the ass, um, then I give him all the opportunities to do that. 
But uh, I just like the way that these guy, guys like Tyler Batuzzi, um, you know, just by the way that they, these guys are getting involved in, in, in different roles that they might not have been in, in previous teams like with Detroit and so on. But this might be just a, a way for the Bruins coaching staff to gauge on what they have in certain situations. And, and it might be a, an asset, too, as well, with his versatility to to move around on the special team. So I like the way that Bertuzzi came into the into the team um, and just got right right to work. And to be honest with you, Steve, I mean, just look at this freaking guy. I mean, this guy is just an animal, you know? It's just, what can you say about this? He is Spicoli. He is Spicoli. Yes. Wicked bad, you know? You see all this stuff? He's... All this stuff going around about how he doesn't tape the top of his stick. Oh my god! I what mean, that's savage crazy. does? What savage does that? Seriously, it's bananas. I mean, I, I'm just a beer leaguer, nobody, and I even put the knob on. <laughs> it's crazy, um, Jesus. But you know, it's it's um, I, this is part of the thing that I think Montgomery does really well, and I know you touched on getting him involved, but like he had, he had almost he's in, on the third line. He had almost as many minutes as Krejci. Um, he had more minutes than Pavel Zaka. So like, and I, I, I believe he was playing top line minutes in Detroit with, um, with Dylan Larkin. So okay. you take a guy and we talked about hall, you know, how is hall going to be on the third line? Well, line, a line is just a line. The minutes are what matters. And when you can take a guy like Bertuzzi, who's probably used to playing more minutes and, and have him playing more minutes than your second line guys. I think that's good. I think it's good for the the operation and it's not going to happen every night, but it's good for the operation to get him um, more minutes that he's used to getting. Um, and I, I do, I think that, I think that he just can sort of continues to, to pull the strings the right way in terms of playing time um, in terms of resting. And, you know, we'll see how it, how it goes down the stretch here. Uh, but a 10 game winning streak, as you mentioned, this team just, they just keep, they just keep rolling on. Um and, you know, while we talk about that, I had this from uh, Matt Porter, who I don't think likes me very much. Um, <laughs> but um, we talk about about the, the defense getting rest. And, you know, everybody f- kind of freaked, freaked out there for a little while when this whole thing started. But um, since acquiring Orlov, the Bruins have scratched Clifton at Vancouver, Grizzlick at Edmonton, Carlo at Calgary, Forbert versus Buffalo, Grizzlick versus the Rangers. He's played on the left side. He's played on the D on the right side. He's played with, Oh, there you go. You got it too. Um, uh, He's played pretty much with every pair. Um, And a part of that is probably Montgomery seeing what he has with the player and where the mesh is. But at the same time, these guys are getting nights off. They're getting their rest. And, um, and, and I I think that's a great thing. I I mean, I I replied to Ty Anderson. They, They should do this every night. They should do this every night till, till April. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're going to do it for McAvoy and, and Lindholm, but the rest of these guys, every night, one of them, just take a break, go up on the ninth floor, hang out, have some Sour Patch Kids, and, you know, and and, and let the, the operation uh, handle itself. And I think that's really good for the system. Yeah, you know, it might suck to sit out and, and watch, but it's not because you're not playing well. It's just how the depth of this team, your offense and your defense are working. Anybody that takes a rest during this time of year should not take it to heart. It's, you know, because, you know, you're just a piece in a puzzle that just 
you know, you continue to work for a common goal, but these are the types of things that, that the coaching staff needs to see ahead and plan. You know, uh, if you don't do these types of things and you go right into the postseason without trying it before, you know, a little bit of R&D projects here. Let's mix this person with that person. And to be honest with you, Orloff, since coming here, and we saw that list that Matt Porter had up on that tweet, wherever he goes, left or right, he's contributed. So that's great to know that no matter what situation, whether it be the last 20 games in the postseason and the regular season or into the postseason uh, long run, that he can be a valued asset and his versatility is going to be huge. And we're just seeing him because he's on a massive point streak and the guy's getting tossed all over the fucking all over the uh, defensive pairings. And, uh, you know, um, five games played for the Bruins, three goals, uh, six assists, nine points. I love this too. He's got a power play goal. He has two power play points and he has a shorthanded point. So yeah, we talk just, about him playing all over the place. It's what he's doing. And he is everywhere. He's, he was loving it. So absolutely. Um, uh, and, and quite frankly, if you look in, at the offensive side of things, imagine if Taylor Hall and Nick Felino were still healthy, you would think they'd be doing the same thing with the forwards. You know, you give Charlie Coyle a night off, you give Pavel Zaka a night off, you give, Trent Frederick a night off. You, you you know you're giving Nick Foligno a night off. You're giving you you have they have such a uh, such a wealth of of talent and guys that can do different things that you'd be able to do that. Now they can't do that now with the injuries, but even still, you give AJ you put AJ Greer in for a night. You put Jakob Lauko in for a night. You know you can you can mix and match things to where guys will will get their rest. Like we said earlier, either by taking them off special teams or just by having a night off and giving somebody else a try. So you're right. I think we'll continue to see more of that as the season progresses. Absolutely. Um, all right. So one thing we haven't touched on, and I guess shame on us a little bit, uh, eight years, 88 million for your boy, David Posternock. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go all Felger and talk about the brutal, brutal oh give, giveaway God. that he had yesterday, right in the slot against the Rangers. Holy crap. That was terrible. But um, they finally get the deal done. Um, thank you, Don Sweeney, for listening to our podcast and taking my advice, 8 for 88. I really appreciate that. Shout out to you, Donnie. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when uh, when you saw that trade come through or that uh, signing come through? About friggin' time. About time. And, that, and it's just because of what you see online on Facebook, Twitter, Mastodon, wherever you get your social media stuff from. There's just a lot of fan freak out throughout this whole process and throughout the this season un- until the March 3rd deadline was over. It was just, is this guy going to get a deal? Is he going to walk? Is he going to test free agency? Does he want to be a Bruin? Now, we've known that David Pasternak has wanted to be a Bruin throughout the whole season, even dating back to the last season in, in, um, in you know preseason warm-ups. He just said he wants to be here. This is where his family is and so on. So, to me, that was just, yeah, now we just need to get it done. And I honestly think that uh, J.P. Barry, his agent, was was the critical factor in not getting this done earlier. I think that he was posturing a lot um, to get the money front-loaded. So I think the first two or three years are going to be $13 million, and then it scales down to, I think, $8 million, whatever, um, towards the end of the contract. And what that does, that's all the agent. The, because the agent's going to get 10% of 13 million for the, for the two or three seasons. 
that's what the agent wants. You know, the player is like, yeah, we're going to get a deal done. I know it, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to do my thing and you do the negotiation thing. So by just getting it done at the 11th hour is a comforting factor moving forward. And also it's a great factor to have him because he is a cornerstone, not only of this Boston Bruins offense, but of of this Boston Bruins future. So, I mean, he's going to be the next one to, to teach a right winger like Fabian Lysel when he cracks the NHL. You know, this is going to be the nurturing type of guy that's still going to be offensive productive, but also be that guy to lean on as a, as a, as a, as he continues to be a veteran in this league money. Wow. It's kind of weird that back when the winter classic was going around and that picture from Fenway park was with David Pasternak leaning down, walking to Fenway really painted a picture about where this, I wish I had the picture up right now because I know I showed it to you before. Do you remember when he was walking and then you zoom in on something that had the number 11? I kind of had a feeling. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be like that. And look what happened. So um, it's great to have him involved. He's just a, he's an ambassador to the league. Um, One of the the, franchise. Yeah. Face the franchise, you know, great with the kids. You know, just a, a real comforting um, uh, member of, of the, the National Hockey League. And I'm proud to have him in Boston. Now, I do get his frustrating times as well. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I don't like his turnovers either. I don't like his zone entries that he just seems to not have enough skill in his hands to get around or through players, but tends to overthink so many times that he makes mistakes on the puck which automatically does a turnover the other way. But I kind of think that his mistake, his good parts of his game and his offensive production and the 40 goal seasons outweigh some of those bad things of his game. But there's always, you know, I don't care who, who you are. If you're Bergeron and so on, there's always room for improvement. I think that David Pasternak is going to work on this and, and, and finally get it, you know, get some control of, of being that type of threat, that three zone threat, not just not just in in Ovechkin's office and just getting power play, uh, you know, one tees. Well, I mean, you you mentioned Ovechkin, like Ovechkin doesn't turn over the puck that much, and quite quite frankly, you know, I'd love him to put on another twenty five pounds to be like Ovechkin. Ovechkin is a is a fire hydrant. You can't move that guy. Yeah, um, and that's a part of it too. Is is I'd like a not even like I need him being physical. I just need him not getting getting pushed around as much, you know, getting pushed off the puck. But, you know, the only thing that I can understand from his perspective for waiting this long was the the thought, and I don't know, a rumor or whatever, that he wanted to make sure that this team wasn't going to go through a massive quote-unquote rebuild, right? And he wasn't going to be the only guy on a team sitting there in eighth place or, you know, ninth place, 10th place, you know, drafting in the top five while they figure out what they want to do next. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that was easy to see when you, when you have, you know, when you still have McAvoy, you still have Lindholm, right. And that you got them locked up. So, you know, you're going to have that. Um, but you know, what does the, if he wanted to, if he went to Don Sweeney and said, I want to know what the post Bergeron post Krejci team looks like. I understand that. And I think that that's a part of the reason why the, why the, the Zaka extension got done. I think that's a part of the reason why they didn't trade Jakob Zaborl because I know he and Pasternak are good friends. Um, I think that's part of the reason why they went out and got Tyler Bertuzzi because 
here's another guy that you just love. If you could have him on your team for the next five years, I think that's beneficial. And I, I, I think he's an unrestricted free agent. I'm not positive about yeah. that, but yeah. you know, if you, I think they made these moves and I think they made a lot of the, the, the re-signs and the contract extensions as sort of a way to prove to, to Pasternak that they don't plan on going anywhere. Like we're not yeah. just going to load up on UFAs, release them all, hope for the best in free agency, and then see what it looks like in, in, you know, July or, you know, August, you know? So uh, I, I think that, I think that if he had uh, any sort of beef, I think that would, that would have been a good one to have. And I think that it, it might've been the case because based on the moves Don Sweeney's made, he's helped prove to Pasternak that, you know, the Bruins aren't going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well said. Um, I didn't even think about stuff like that when this all this was going on. I just, um, but you know, what, what What hasn't he done? What hasn't David Pasternak done yet? And that's win. I think that might be important to him. You know, not only is it going to be important to as a resume builder, but it's important for him to do something like this in this city in front of all these fans that support him and so on. So it's much, it's much beyond just him. It's, it's about what he's, um, what he's done here and what he can do. And, uh, you know, he wants a Stanley cup and I, and I don't blame him. So does uh, the the other 23 uh, players on the team. Um, So, I mean, that could be a very valid point that he wanted to see the landscape first before he committed. And it makes total sense. And, by Don Sweeney going all in, this might have pushed the uh, the envelope to say, okay, I'm really happy with what we have here. Let's get it done. Because not only, like you said, not only is he just thinking about the now and what we're going to do, but he's also thinking about the future as well. So, And that's important because all players want to be competitive. If, if you're not competitive and you don't have that drive, what are you doing in the league? Right. And, and I think he also doesn't want to be – he doesn't want to be like Ovechkin and not get one in, until he's 35, 36, 37, right? Like, let's right. get, you know, let's let's not just get one this year. Let's get three or four, you know? Absolutely. Let's, let's really turn this into something. So, um, and I hope that's his, I, I hope it's all about winning. I, I think it is, uh, and I, I really hope that's the case. Um, so we did mention a little bit about about some of the deadline deals. Any Anything else you wanted to sort of add about Orlov, Hathaway, Bertuzzi, uh, I know we really haven't talked a ton about Bertuzzi just outside of the in-game stuff, but um, anything else you wanted to touch on or do you want to just sort of move on from that? Well, I did want to talk about the details of the Bertuzzi trade because we, okay. we didn't touch on that yet. But um, he comes from, from Detroit. Obviously, uh, um, um, a real energy guy uh, can really be a pain in the ass. And and look, we have five guys like that. We got Greer, Marshan, uh, Trent Frederick, Bertuzzi, Hathaway. I mean, these are the types of moves that Clifton. were. Yeah, Clifton. Clifton can add some jam too. And and Bertuzzi is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, and he was given, uh, I mean, th- that 2024 first round pick, and it's a top 10 protect- protected. Might have been a little bit mo- much for me, but it is what it is. And it also a 2025 fourth round pick. So, um, and I think... Uh, I think Detroit retained a little bit of money as well. Um, but what a, what a great addition. And just, um, you know, he just, he is Spicoli. He just reminds me, like, like the other day when he was walking into a Warrior Ice Arena or, or, or coming from the, the locker room to go onto the ice. And he just, he had that look like I just did a bong hit. <laughs> and um, 
you know, he started walking, he started walking somewhere. right. Then he's like, wait, no, yeah, I'm gonna go left. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, you know, you just got to get used to your surroundings and so on. But he just looks like that, that fun guy off the ice, but you don't want to know what type of, you know, Jekyll and Hyde player he could be on the ice. And I actually like that factor that you just don't know what you're going to get from him. And uh, the addition is good. You know, I think that if he, if he shows in the next 20 games that he could, he could, he can skate with us. He can be with us. He can protect us. Um, I think there could be a, a future here if it all works out. And, you know, obviously the salary cap uh, plays a big role in that. And, you know, the past and that extension and so on. Now next season's, um, you know, cap space availability might not be as much as, as everybody thought. But still, we have a team that's built for now and the future. And I absolutely love that. Yeah, I, I, I think the benefit for him is that I don't think maybe this is just me personally, but I don't really have like any expectations for him, right? Like I'm not expecting him to come here and score 15 goals down the stretch. I'm not expecting him to come out here and be Garnet Hathaway. I'm not, he's sort of one of those tweener guys who, I don't know. I just, I don't have any like hardcore expectations for the guy. Um, like we mentioned, I love the fact that he's getting power play time. I love the fact that he's killing penalties, but you know, when he was in Detroit and he was playing bigger minutes and he was playing, you know, with, with Dylan Larkin, there was, I think, more expect more expected from him. You know, it's kind of like we talk about Taylor Hall. Like, you don't have to come here and be the guy. And I think he's kind of a diet Taylor Hall when it comes to the offense. But I think they just it, – it's it's like a it's like a bull in, in one of those things when you do the bull riding. You just pop off the top and let him go flip and flop around out there and let him do his thing. And, and um, yeah. I think it's I think it's just what they need on the bottom, you know, on the bottom six and and getting that special team production. I think it's great. And and again, I, I I'm just I'm amazed at how dense some of the Boston fans are, and not the ones who listen here. They should, because I I do I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, and these people talk about how the cupboard is bare and we need the picks, and the cupboard is not bare. I, yeah. Three to four years from now, when we don't have a first round pick, we will have some semblance of Lizelle and Merkulov and, and, you know, even if it's a Sean or Lowry or Poitra or the super French kid is a Brunei fully yep. Brunei and Brett Harrison and Brandon Bussey. And like, like they're already here. Like they're already here. So I mentioned what seven guys right there. If four of them work out and, and hit that potential that we expect for them, you win. They'll be, they'll be fine. Yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll be fine. So yeah, the best the best thing about this whole this whole trade deadline and what, what was worried for me was those draft picks. Because the fact is that when you were talking about Jacob Chikrin, we're talking about um, Luke Shen, we're talking about uh, Nolachari and Barbashev and all these types of players. What had them involved was picks, players and so on. And that was a very scary moment for me because. If you're giving up a pick and you're giving up Lysel or Lowry, you're taking steps back. You're winning. You're probably going to win now, but your future is taking steps back. And what I love about this is none of those players that we have in the system right now, Lowry at Ohio State, Lysel down in Providence, we didn't mortgage our future that way. I believe in the scouting staff of the Boston Bruins organization to take those picks and say, guess what we have to do now? Now we have to circle around like vultures, you know, when these free agents come on to college, 
and sign them as soon as possible. Get them in the system like they did with Mark McLaughlin. Get them in the system like they but like they did with um, Connor Clifton. You know, work them up the levels to the professional, the highest level in the world, and see what you have from there. But still, it's not a bad thing to give away these picks when you want to win now. Now, if you did this last year and you didn't win, totally, I totally understand the the sarcasm, the the hate, and whatever the other fans might have. But this is a totally different scenario. This is a total different freaking team. Yeah, they kept kept the known to get rid of the unknown, and I'm exactly. fine with that. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm fine with that. So um, you're right. And looking at some of the other guys that were moved around across the league, you know, it, it was, it was spark. It was, it was surprising. And, you know, and again, you mentioned a guy like Mark McLaughlin, who I think is fine, but what if you get Mark McLaughlin to a point to where next year at the trade deadline, you're flipping him for a, a second and a third. Right. So yeah. like there are still there, they, they have so many, you know, I didn't mention Johnny Beecher, right? Like, so you have these guys that, if they don't work or they're tweeners or they're just no better than a Vetrano or a Donato that you can flip them for picks. Like that's fine too. So um, I, I, I like you, like you said, and I was right there with you to, to make these moves and to still have the core of prospects that they have to me is, is just outstanding work by trader Donnie. And yeah. um, uh, boy, I think this team is in a good spot for years. Unlike, unlike the, unlike the, the sports hub callers, I think this this team's in a good spot for years. Um, <laughs> we should probably take a minute and uh, hear from our friends at BetOnline.ag, uh, our good friends there and our sponsor. Mark, what do you have for us? Ah, BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, NHL, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at betonline.ag. With live sport, with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Betonline.ag is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the betonline.ag website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive all your fantastic rewards. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game stats. Stats. Where it stats. <laughs> um, all right, Mark, I want to ask you a question. Which do you find more impressive? Uh, the fact that the Bruins are the f- quickest team in history to get to 100 points or the fact that through 62 games, their goal differential is plus 105. Which one of those is more impressive to you? Oh, wow, Steve. You put me in a mental pretzel again, my man. I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say the goal differential. Because just for the fact is that this team has been so offensively gifted. The, the, the addition of John, uh, of Jim Montgomery, and his staff of all getting on board and teaching these guys to get pucks on net, second chances, and finish has been so much better than I've ever seen in my lifetime as a Bruins fan. And that's like 40 freaking years. While I do love the idea of a 100-point season and more and record-breaking and so on, I really think that the offensive production this year and how the depth has just really woken up to buy in has been the biggest stories thus far. And, and also I do want to touch on 
I don't have solid stats right now, but I, if I'm not mistaken, 40 to 50% of that 100 and whatever the, the goal differential, 105? 105, 105. I think 40 or 50% of that has come in the third period. So it just shows that your first periods are pretty much feel out, um, you know, a feel out 20 minutes. Your second period is we need to get a message and, and execute. And the third is if we're stuck in the corner, we need to put in 120%. Every one of us has to put in 120%. Now, I'm, I'm all for the 60-minute effort, but I'm not saying that this is not a good idea. I just think that the message is getting is, is crisp. It's getting to, the, getting to the players' ears, and they're going out and executing, which I think is very important. So I don't know about how anybody is going to deal with this Boston Bruins team for the remaining 20 games or in a seven game series coming up because they just come at you with so many layers and, and, you know, they could beat you in a, in a two to nothing game, but they can also beat you in a five to four game. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you talked about the offense and I agree. I think the goal differential to me is incredible, but I, uh, this isn't a team that's going out and beating everybody six to one, seven to one, eight, nothing, nine, nothing. It seems to me like every game is four to one. I just feel like every game that scores always four to one. Um, I mean, just, I just, you know, the month of November, they win five, two, three to one, three to one, three to one, five to two, four to one, six to one, five to three, three to one, five to one. So it's, it's the one. It's the goaltending. It's the fact that these goalies are not oh, yeah. giving up four, five, six goals a game. Um, they're not asking, you know, I mentioned with Edmonton, you hold them to two goals, you win. Uh, it's not like this team is like, well, we need to score four goals to win because our goalies, you know, are, we know our goalies are going to give up three goals every night. Like, that's not the case either. And, you know, I, I'm curious as to what percentage of that is empty netters. And you, I know you mentioned the third period, but empty netters are goals where you know the other team is really, really pressing late in the third period because they're down. And <clears throat> and I think that that speaks to the goaltending and the fact that um, they are holding, absolutely holding it down. And, of course, I, you know, I mentioned all the scores. I look at the starting goalie. Oh, Swayman, Olmark, 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 Swayman, Swayman, Olmark, Swayman, Olman. So it's it's not even just Pecorine all the way down the list, right? It's yep. these two guys holding it down in net um, so consistently all season and giving up no more than one to two goals every single night. What a benefit that is, and, and what confidence that gives the offense, what confidence that gives the defense. Um, I just think that's such a that's such a telling stat for the way that this team is actually performing, is that that goal differential. Um, to where, like I said, they're not the Buffalo seven to one win is is the anomaly. The four to three win, the three to two win, the four to two win. Those are sort of a more of a well representation of what how this team's playing, and and uh, yeah, I, I found that plus one hundred five. Second place is Jersey with plus fifty two. I mean, that is I know <laughs> freaking amazing. That is sick. That is sick. It's just it, we're not a one line team anymore. Several in the past several years, it was always the the quote unquote perfection line. I know we don't use that much here because nobody's perfect. Um. But you're not just one line anymore. You, now you just you basically have like three and a half lines of your offensive depth. You think the fourth line can contribute because we've seen that with uh, Thomas Nosek and his return and how he's played uh, recently. 
So it's just it, it's just an amazing, amazing year. And I, I just it's so hard to put into words how good this team is and what what could happen. Um, I'm just I'm ready. I'm I, I still can't get over the season is almost over. I just I cannot believe it. It's almost like it. it's only been a month. Yeah, it's wild. It's been uh, it's been fun. It really has. Um, we can nitpick something if you'd like to. I mean, I'm 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 more than happy to do that. Um, the penalty kill, not ex- I'm sorry, the power play, not exactly hot as of right now. I will say there's something. This has sort of grinded my gears for a while, and I don't know because we have all these advanced analytics and all this advanced stats, and I still don't understand why they calculate power play and penalty killing success the way they do like and i say that because like if you go on if if you take a penalty right and you're on the penalty kill for 15 seconds and then you draw a penalty and now you're four on four that team is oh for one for those 15 seconds right and then on the back end you get a 15 second power play and you don't score you're oh for one so like that's not really a good representation of a power play right like you get a power play at the end of the game and it's a minute and a half and you're up four to one and you don't score. Like I wish it was goals per two, right? Goals per two minutes. Really? I think should be the way you do it because these, these abbreviated power plays, I think are such a crappy representation of your, your power play or your penalty kill success. Forgive me if I'm wrong. If somebody gets a five minute major and you score three goals, you're what three for three. Uh, yeah, that would I make sense. The math would work. So even that just yeah. to me seems weird. It seems common. And I'm not the math guy. No, me neither. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised I made it this far in this discussion without uh, screwing it up somehow. So, um, again, just super silly nitpicky thing by me. I don't like the calculation, but um, they are, you know, they're 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 struggling a little bit. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to find the stat. Oh, well, they're five of thirty-two in the last 10 games on the power play that that's, that's gotta be better. But in fact, there's the one, they're 10 and 0 in those 10 games, which is amazing. Yeah, but I know. Uh, what, what's the deal here with the power play? They just, I don't know. Cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we might be nitpicking here a little bit, but it's, it is concerning because we only have 20 games left and believe it or not, the power play is one of the most important things when it comes to the postseason. These are opportunities you have to capitalize in a seven game series. So scoring five power play goals in the last 10 games. Now, I I only went 10 games. I could have gone a lot further back. Uh, and this is going back to the Dallas game on, on February 13th, uh, 23. I just think that they've got to be just – they got to finish when they have the man advantage. You know, um, there's this really good complementary pieces that we have on the power play one, power play two. Um, but you just got to finish your opportunities. Um, that's the only thing that I can really like nitpick about it is, is just, um, you know, when you have those opportunities, you got to capitalize. Um, but five power play goals and, and you, and you, you know, you're on a 10 game winning streak. It's not so bad, but you, you're going to come up against teams that are probably going to match up with you a little bit better in the postseason. But those are, these are the, these are the tiny ways to get through and expose a hole in, in somebody's uh, in an opposing offense that you could really capitalize and win a series on. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a reach and everything, but that, but yeah, well, I mean, you're right. They'll come playoff time. And I, I think, uh, I mean, I'm just such a, I'm, I'm such a lover of momentum uh, and, and buildings. And to me, there are a few things more deflating 
than having a home power play in the playoffs and just having it look out of sync, out of sorts, miserable, no shots on goal. And there's nothing more uh, invigorating to fans than when you're shorthanded at home and you just put on a kick-ass penalty kill and, you know, you get a five, you, you know, you're down five on three for a minute and a half and you kill off that thing. That the people love that, and 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 that could be a big momentum shift come playoff time if your if your power play is very stagnant, or <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have one in the studio, man. Always gotta have a back scratcher in the studio. It um <laughs> it could be uh it, it could be a momentum swing come playoff time. So yeah, I, I I don't think it's anything to be concerned about now, but it is something to sort of keep our eye on as they go forward and. Um, maybe with these new players, we will see some new, uh, or just maybe just some different combinations at this point. It almost seems like they could put out three different power play units, uh, yeah. with the skill that they have. And I think having Orlov to run the point, you know, now you have McAvoy that can run one, you got Lindholm who can run another one. And I got or- Orlov who could run a third power play unit. So maybe, the, maybe we'll see a little bit of that. We'll see some changes, some shifts. Um, we'll see things changing up a little bit, but, um, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's anything to really get get too concerned about. Um, as we look at the playoffs, Mark, and we are we are already pretty deep into this podcast. It's amazing. Um, yeah, looking at some of the teams that we could possibly face come playoff time, which uh, we haven't really touched much on, uh, but it looks right now like it could be most likely the Islanders or the Penguins. Um, the Islanders, I don't think, are the same team as last year. Uh, you can take your Bo Horvat and can it. I don't think that is um, really what they is enough for them to get over the hump. Uh, and we know what the Penguins are. Uh, I, I would pay money to again watch Tristan Jari against Brad Marchand. I think that's still the best rivalry in hockey. Yeah, uh, the way those yes. two go at each other. Um, any any sort of thoughts or ideas or uh, feelings as you look forward to the playoffs and what the matchups could look like. Well, here's, here's a, an image of, of everything right now. And obviously the Bruins are number one seed in the Atlantic. So it, it's it's calculating as of this image was uh, from yesterday that the Islanders are going to be the team. And and if you look at the uh, the uh, wild card number two, uh, Pittsburgh could possibly be there as well. So we're coming down to 20 games. So we really don't know who we're going to be playing. But it's good things with, with not knowing on which team you might match up against. But... When you look back at the season, the Boston Bruins have only played the Islanders three times and they've won all three games. And the Bees outscored the Isles uh, 14 to 6. And um, the Bruins have one more game against the Pittsburgh Penguins that are coming up. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think we're all going to get I think we're getting a, together in Marlboro, a big BNG party. You're welcome to come if you want, my man. Marlboro. Wow. Um, that one? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's a trip, huh? Um, uh, but the uh, uh, Boston is two and zero against Pittsburgh, and they've uh, outscored them eight to six. Like I said, there's one game remaining, so um, there's kind of like a, a playoff picture. I know we're getting down to down to the nitty gritty here in the season, but everything's starting to like really line up to be that we're probably going to end up seeing one of these teams. And I like that first round matchup. It's a great like eye opener for a lot of the the players on this Boston Bruins team that. You know, especially the new new folks uh, that kind of came to the team and they haven't been in the playoffs in a while, so it's a great opportunity for them to contribute. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have on on um, 
on that on yep. the matchups and so on. So I I got to and I meant to mention this earlier. I, I you said that they've only played the Islanders three times. It what a what a freaking shame it is how few times the Bruins play the Rangers. And yep. we talked in the, before about the schedule and and not, not playing Montreal at all. Feels like they never played Toronto. Uh, if like how. I mean, I think that the original six teams should all play each other more than every other team plays every other team. Like they should have Boston, Chicago, and Detroit and Toronto. And like these six teams should all, I mean, I don't care if you almost make it like an in-season tournament, you know, we're like, uh, like, a, like a bean pot sort of thing where these six teams all get together and, and play each other because I mean, New York and Boston and I don't care if it's Giants, Patriots, Red Sox, Yankees, Rangers, Bruins. These two teams get together, and they just – you saw that first period. They beat the hell out of each other. There's a rivalry yeah. there. That was playoff hockey, and, and it's like that whenever you play uh, Montreal, no matter what they are in the standings. It's Montreal-Boston. I just – I hate the way – and then I look at the schedule coming up, and you're playing, you know, Edmonton, Chicago. I mean, I just said Chicago, but Edmonton, Minnesota, Ottawa, you know, Carolina, Nashville, Columbus. I don't want to see any of those teams. I don't want to see any of them. I want to see Bruins, Rangers. I want to see Bruins, Canadians. I want to see good fashion hockey matchups. Get out of here with all these, these other Nashville, get out of here with Nashville. I said, I said this on the live stream that we did. Um, We did a four hour live stream. You could fall. You can find it on our YouTube channel. Click the live tab. And if you want to sit there for four hours and listen to us banter back and forth, Steve, you joined us from class. I did. I and uh, I had some of, middle of room 108. <laughs> yeah. Had some students jump in. It was really cool asking questions. They were all your students were like, where's Mr. Forney? And, uh, you know, it's like, hey, he's not here. He's teaching class. And all of a sudden I get this this message come across my desk and you're like, I want to get in. I got about 12 minutes to freaking do it. So uh, but no, I mentioned on the live stream about the schedule and and like my idea is i understand how fans from throughout the league find importance to find you know if you're a seattle kraken fan that you want to see patrice bergeron i totally get that he's a he's an attraction you know bruins fans are everywhere i get that as well but my idea is to go and do like every other year play a certain amount of teams out west every other year and take those ones that you took away and put those towards divisional games. Make make the Atlantic Division six games per each. You know, that you get the rivalries back. Right. What you're doing, what you're doing against the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens is you're taking the rivalry away and you're forcing it towards Toronto. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I, and you know, and my idea was to do it like the NFL to where you just play a different division every Every year, like, you know, uh, Atlantic plays the Metro and then the Atlantic plays the Central. And, you know, so you can kind of s- separate it that way. And look, I mean, I don't think anybody who's going to go to the game on Thursday against Edmonton, um, you know, is going to complain that they get to see Connor McDavid. Right. I mean, it's nice to have him in the building. But at the same time, um, it's just I, I, I don't. Uh, it, you can't just have you can't just be like, well, Edmonton, you have to play everyone because everyone wants to see McDavid, right? But like right. at some point, the the brand and the rivalries and what makes I think this sport great is, or maybe they just do more home and homes. Maybe I would love that too. If you just 
you know, and I like their, they got that coming up with Detroit, but maybe it's just if you're only going to play the Rangers four times, maybe both times it's on a Friday night and a Sunday afternoon. You know what I mean? Or like yep. something to get the rivalry going a little bit more besides, you know, you play a team in November and then you don't see them again until March. Like that's just not, I don't know. It's just, I don't think that's good for the brand. I don't think that's good for, for the sport, but. Um, not good for anybody. I, I just took us on a wild tangent. I guess uh, I'm not really afraid of the Islanders or the Penguins. I know that's where we started this whole thing. Uh, neither one of those right. teams really scares We're me. We're all over the place at BNG. We kind of, yeah, we kind of are. It's my ADD kicking in. But um, speaking about bad for the brand, uh, are we really going to have an NHL team in Atlanta? And if so, why are we doing this? I don't understand it, Steve. I really don't get it. But there's solid sources out there in, in hockey Twitter that that – work in the trenches to get this information out there. And from my understanding and from the people that I've, I've reached out to, it it seems like it's going to happen. And, but that would be 33. The the league still needs to even itself out. So I would expect a 34th team to be involved to even the West out. Um, So some ideas are Atlanta is, is strongly being considered. Um, but the idea is only going to happen if Atlanta can be in the city and not the outskirts. Like right now, the Ottawa Senators, they play in Canada, Ontario, which is, I don't know how many miles outside of the city. Folks don't want to travel. They don't want to go back and forth. They want to have everything within the the confines of a metropolitan, you know, metropolitan area. And that's that's great. I think that's what drives numbers, drives ticket sales, and so on. Further, like like in Miami, if if the if the rink was in Miami, I think Miamians would be more apt to go and not thirty miles in Sunrise. You know what I'm saying? So Atlanta, it makes sense because it it, it is a big market, media market in the United States, much like Phoenix is. Believe it or not. But what I what I strongly think about this idea is. This is the league coming back to find and recoup funds for something that happened. The Bally sports uh, industry went bank is going bankrupt. And I think the league is going to lose a ton of money. I think the salary cap is going to be involved heavily. And I think that the league is pushing to a corner to say, we need to do something. And why not do something by bringing in a $900 million franchise to recoup some of those funds. And, now, if you think about teams well, out why, in the well, West, real quick, real quick, why would they do it in Atlanta and not like Quebec or even like Hartford? Great question. And here's the thing that I, I constantly get asked all the time. Um, a years ago, the, the NHL and uh, several media outlets, sports media outlets up in Canada, it was Rogers, it was TSN, and it was um, Tim Horton. TVG or <laughs> somebody, yeah, or something, something else up there. Uh, they made a deal with the NHL, but when that deal happened, I think less than a year, the oil prices tanked the Canadian dollar, which ultimately hurt the NHL. Believe it or not, they lost millions and millions of dollars because the difference in the dollar. Now, the National Hockey League office is located in New York City, which means that all 32 teams right now are making american usd dollars so that's what happened there this um 
That was pre-pandemic, right? Because I'm sure they ate their hat during yes, the pandemic it was. too. You know, then yes, the pandemic hits and then you lose even more money. Yep. <clears throat> um, so the idea of going to Quebec, they already have the, the stadium and it's huge. Um, they do have the fan base. But the Canadian dollar still is not as equal as the United States dollar. So I don't think that that will work. I think once it gets a little more even, then you'll start to see teams going back to Canada. But until then, I don't see it happening uh, because there's no homegrown Quebec company that is interested in buying that. I think what they would need is a United States company to come in there and do their and do that. And that, probably that won't be perceived very well in the very traditional yeah, right. Right. you know canadian market but it's just it's just crazy how dollars and cents they change everything and it and it's frustrating it's yeah. frustrating for quebecians who who want to get a team back they love hockey it's canada i mean come on but it's just the logistics of of the dollar that just doesn't make any sense the league right. doesn't want to go to places where they're losing money and i i say that as where as we're talking about the Arizona Atlanta. Coyotes that are playing in, in Atlanta, that are playing in a freaking NCAA freaking stadium, which is like 3,000, 5,000 freaking fans. Right. I mean, you could bounce this ball all over the place when you have this conversation. But for right now, until everything gets legal, beagle, and, and, and even across, I just think that uh, for the NHL to survive and thrive, I think that they need to build more markets in the, in the, uh, in the United States. And, so it's, where, it's where do you go? Tough. Where do you want to go out west? Milwaukee. Well, you know, Milwaukee's not a really bad idea. No, that's would be my choice. But if you think about logistics and and you know, natural rivals that could be built, Kansas City's not a bad idea, and they already have a rink and ready to go as well. And they could they could be a um, you know a rival against the Dallas and so on. And I still strongly believe that um, the Arizona Coyotes are not going to be. Well, they could be in Arizona for a little while longer. But I, I kind of think that since they were moved over to the Central Division, that they might move to Houston. That's been heavily rumored and so on. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know about this whole Arizona thing and Gary Bettman uh, trying to make everything work there and so on. You know, he's the one that got us there and he's not going to take a punch, a jab or anything like that to, cool. to get and him out. So. And like the worst thing that could have happened to that is Austin Matthews, because I just want to say nobody cares in, a, in Arizona about hockey and nobody, nobody comes out of Arizona that plays hockey. And then here comes Austin Matthews. And it's like, damn it. Yeah. Why are you, why did you, you're ruining it for everybody. We want to get the hell out of there. And here, here you come. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I, there's, Arizona and Atlanta to me are just, and Atlanta can't hold anything. I mean, they don't even support the WNBA. The Hawks attendance stinks. The Braves are really good and they can't get anybody in the building. And it's just like, there are markets that don't do anything. And I mentioned Hartford. I, I think that's a bad place because Hartford doesn't support anything either. Sorry, Hartford, but look at the Wolfpack right. numbers. They're terrible. And they have been forever. Same thing with Bridgeport. Yep. Um, even my favorite concerts, they used to always come to New Haven and the Oakdale and Wallingford and, they don't, they don't come to Connecticut anymore. They skip right over it because nobody goes. It sucks. So I don't know what the deal yeah. is there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's something interesting to follow. I wish they would just leave, Some, things, leave things alone. But so, Sometimes those American Hockey League numbers and attendance are skewed because it, uh, many folks, and I don't know if you know this or not, but there's 12 teams in the American Hockey League that that are into um, 
that are owned by uh, NHL clubs, while the rest of the freaking league is all independent. Right. So ticket ticket sales are a big thing for them. Where if you own your American Hockey League affiliate, it's not that bad. It's almost like right. the Florida Panthers playing in Sunrise. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know what Springfield's indep- all independently owned, but I imagine Providence would not be independently owned. I think they would. The Bruins they are. own them, right? Oh, they are independent. Nope. They're independently owned. They're a separate organization, of course. And 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 uh, Renee Renfro, who owns the. Providence Bruins is best friends with Jeremy Jacobs. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we, that's what they, that's what they need. That's what the league needs. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, Mark, this has been great. We do, before we want to go mention our, uh, our Patreon campaigns, um, all the financial supporters, we appreciate you guys so much. And if, with that appreciation, we offer you the chance to win uh, some awesome uh, gear and Bruins signed jerseys. Um, this is a Jersey giveaway episode, Mark, isn't it? No, no, no we already we already did that. I'm sorry if I put that in the agenda. No, Talk my uh, uh, Fred Fred Palmer uh, won oh, the yeah. uh, Derek, the uh, Rick Middleton jersey last week, so uh, I have new jerseys coming uh, soon. Um, I'm trying to get the Adam McQuaid hand signed and a Sean Sean Thornton hand signed. So that those will be in the upcoming months or this month. Once I get them here, we'll uh, we'll definitely start pushing that. But uh, if you want to go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate $1, what the campaign is, is we take your dollar and probably four of them or six of them a month. And what we do is we pay some of the bills here at the black and gold uh, hockey podcast and the, and our sports media company. But we also take half of it and roll it over into more and more of these hand signed Jersey giveaways uh, to keep everybody involved. And, and it's our way to say thanks. Um, so yeah, it's just a dollar. It's not that bad. We have over 60 Patreons right now. We'd love to get more. Um, and it's a real fun thing because we, you know, like I said, we we do love the the financial support that we get because it really does help. And like, and our biggest thing is we want to say thank you to that. We just don't want to take your money and be like, you know, it is what it is. We thank, thank you for that. But we also just want to um, have opportunities to, you know, brighten up that fan cave, you know, get rid of all that Red Sox, Celtics and Patriots crap and, and, black and gold your your whole room you know yeah it's true and we do we do we really appreciate all of our uh, supporters and if you're if you're not really sure what patreon is you can always uh, just go to the website and sort of learn more about yeah. it and how they operate and it's just in a world where everything is free and at your fingertips it's just a nice way for for you to show a little bit of financial support to some of the things that um that you enjoy that you enjoy listening to whether it's podcasts or musicians or you know, whatever it is, it's a good opportunity for you to, to, to pass that love. And, uh, again, we're living, it's almost like we're back to Napster where everything's just free. Um, you know, but, um, I know that I, a lot of musicians I like are not happy with Spotify. They're tired of Spotify. They're tired of everything just being right at their fingertips and not getting a dime for it. So, um, something to consider, uh, before we go, we do have some bad news to tell you, uh, the Bruins don't play again until Thursday. Yeah. um, they played a lot of games here in the last couple of weeks. It seems like they've been really crammed in, but the Bruins do have some off time here Thursday. Again, they will host Edmonton. And then, um, I kind of like this. We were talking about this earlier, uh, Saturday at one Sunday at one next week, uh, home against Detroit at Detroit. Um, one of the games is on the ABC. One of the games is on TNT, but I, uh, home and home Saturday, Sunday, love that. I imagine that, that, 
That second Detroit game is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be great. I bet Stevie Wide's going to have his boys ready to go. Tyler Bertuzzi gets to see his old team. Yes. Um, I think that's going to be a blast. So, um, you know, we got to find something else to occupy our time for the next uh, half a week or so. But uh, Thursday, but it's will good be, though. Uh, Thursday will be next. This is actually this is actually not a bad time to have a little bit of a three day break because after that, everything. Yeah, well, I think no, I, well, kind of. I mean, if you look at it, it's it's Saturday, Sunday, then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Like, so that's a lot of game. I mean, that's well, four games, almost a week. four games a week. Yeah, that's so, crazy. You know, so it's a good time to it's a good time to have uh, have a couple days off and get get rested up and before we get back at it. So, absolutely, yeah, I'm excited for it. You know, it's a little bit of a rest and so on, but um, yeah, I can't wait to get back and uh, check out the game on uh, Thursday at 7:30 against Edmonton. 7:30. That tells me it's going to be it's going to be one of those uh, prime time. So it's going to be a 7:45 start. Yeah, 7:42. I'm just right. like, 7:42. Yeah. It's on ESPN, so I got to figure out how the hell to find that thing. <laughs> I guess I got Hulu. I guess I can watch it on Hulu. But there you go. Whatever. But Mark, this was a blast. Uh, we thank everybody Absolutely. for listening to episode 320. It's been uh, I, I again I I love doing this. I'm glad I sort of hopped on board with this. We're having a lot of fun doing it. I oh, hope yeah. the listeners are having uh, enjoying it as well. Um, again, if you do have any feedback. Uh, you can always uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we do have the listener hotline number as well, 978-504-2727. So you can give us a call anytime. And uh, until then, we will uh, we'll talk to you next week. And everybody have a great week. Go Bees. Go Bees. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.